Well, so thanks everybody so much for joining us at Anthem Online this morning. It's our two-year anniversary. We'll leave the, the big two numbers aside yeah. for now. Um, but we're glad you've joined us. Uh, as we look back on these last two years, it was actually the sort of the two to three-year period that we, we think about when we think about the launch of Anthem, don't we? Yeah, so this weekend actually marks two years since we started launching public services. But in that year before, that was we moved out to this area a year before that, and it was in that year that we met a bunch of people. Over, um, it, was, uh, it ended up being about 40 people that ended up being on what we called a launch team. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know any of them before we got here, right? Yeah, God just uh, created this group of people out of nothing, knitted our hearts together like we kind of believed he would. And people put some extraordinary amounts of effort and time and work into getting us to the place where we could launch. And um, I remember during that time, we would uh, have launch team meetings at our house. And we would just uh, sometimes open the Bible and look at the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is such a great place to start for looking at what the early church was like and what they, uh, how they functioned, what God did among them in, in when, when God decided that he was going to create the church on the day of Pentecost. And as we, as we just share some thoughts this morning, we wanted to start right there in the book of Acts. Uh, again, kind of go back old school to what we used to do at the beginning and look at how the, how the early church functioned and what could we learn from that. And I'm going to skim through a few um, verses to, to sort of build up this little picture that I want to paint for you today. At the end of the time, Jesus, at the end of Jesus' time on earth, he ascended up into heaven with just a few followers around him. And in Acts 1.12, it says that when they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas. It basically lists off a group of the remaining 11 disciples and then uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and some other women. And it talks about this small group. You could, you could put them in a, in a large living room. And uh, that was essentially the, the leaders of this band of followers who are described in Acts 1.15 as being about 120. 120 people were left as followers of Christ after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. In fact, it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120. That's what it says right there in the first chapter of Acts. Imagine that that's about the same size that perhaps Anthem is now between our online group and the group that's meeting uh, at the Doubletree today. And so uh, we sort of think of this group of people and we think, wow, what, what was God doing with them at the time? And it, it seems very entrepreneurial. It seemed very much like a startup. I think a bit Definitely like a was, startup. Yeah. We're, we're used to those here in the Boston area. We have plenty of startups. Um, and then the day of Pentecost happens. And then there's this explosion of God's power into the world where he announces that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has now come and is given to the church to, to allow them to be witnesses around the world. And Peter, after the, the Holy Spirit fell, preached, preached this sermon. And Acts 2.40 says this, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And listen to what happened when he preached. Those who accepted his message were baptized right there and then on that day, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. <laughs> That's a big baptism. <laughs> it's a big baptism. Yeah. Imagine that. You go from 120 to 3,000. Yeah. Like the, the awesome. church in Jerusalem became this instant megachurch overnight. 
And again, you've got these people who are there, they're working hard, they're, they're committed to the cause, they experience persecution, but they've got this laser focused uh, view on, on spreading the kingdom of God and the message of the gospel around the world. And it started in Jerusalem and it just continued to grow and to explode. And I love the fact that it seems like nothing would stop them. And, uh, you know, I, we, we've been watching Hamilton a lot recently since it, became, since it came out on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, my, you know, that favorite song where he says, I'm, I'm, I'm just like my country, I'm young, scrappy and hungry, and I'm not going to rap it even Please though we don't. have the beanies. But, um, <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, America at the time had that kind of scrappiness, that youthfulness, that vision, that destiny, that purpose. And Hamilton was somebody who was completely committed, whatever it would cost him as a young man. And I see the same sort of vibe in the early church. And then it continues to multiply. Just, I don't know if this was days or months or weeks, but shortly afterwards, you, you read in Acts chapter 4. Many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And there's always that question, is that just men or is, is that men and women? But it could have been could have been couple of thousand more than it went from you know we read at the beginning just a dozen or so people that's leading a kind of disheveled band of 120 completely committed to the course God blows his power on this place through the Holy Spirit and there's 3,000 of them and then in no time at all there's what was it four uh, sorry 5,000 of them it's blowing up and then for the first time you see in Acts chapter 5, a little bit of, of a problem, a little bit of a di division coming from within. But before, they, before that division happened, one of the things that the church was doing was people were radically sharing generously with each other. They, mm. were, they were selling their land and they were giving to those in need. Literally, they were living in a community where people truly selfless. were selfless and were generous and were truly there for the, to show love and to care and, and concern for each other. A model of what the church should be like. Mm. Absolutely, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then there's this slight just twist that happens in Acts chapter 5 and it's regarding a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And I'll just read these verses of what happened at a time when people were being generous, they're, they're laying down their possessions, they're feeding the poor, all kinds of stuff. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but you've lied to God. Incredible transition that just took right. place. Right. So what happened here? There was this couple. They had some land. They um, they sold the land and they gave, but they and they they kind of lied about how much they actually got for the land. They kept some of it for themselves, and then they went and they offered another portion of it to the apostles. But the and, and, and that in itself wasn't an issue. The the issue was is that they wanted to appear as though they were far more generous than they really were. They were there was something about that was going on in their hearts where they wanted they wanted to sort of appear to be more selfless. They wanted to to kind of almost get um, get get some accolades or something, get some credit, get some credit for what they were doing. Um, and, and and if they had just 
um, you know, this, this land was their land. They didn't have to sell it. No one was asking them or forcing them to do this. They were, they, this was a generous act that they were doing on their own choice. But the, the issue was that they lied. The issue was that they, they, dece they, were, they were not honest with the church. They were also not honest with God. Um, and there was, there was a little shift that happened where they became more focused and more concerned about themselves in that moment than the true heart of generosity, the true heart of why people were giving and selling uh, for the community. There was, some, there was a little adjustment in the heart, and I think it's really interesting that, that this story is mentioned here um, because I think it gives us a lesson for, for, a new, for a young church like ours of, some, of, a, of that little adjustment in our hearts that can happen, that can really derail the um, people in the church and the church itself. Um, because we believe that God is inviting us to be a part of his mission. Mm -hmm. We believe that God has, God is already at work. And like, just like he was in the early church, he was at work and he allowed people to come into that work and be a part of being his hands and his feet and caring for those in need and being a light into a dark place. And we have that same mission now. As a church, we have the same opportunity to, to join God in the work that he's doing on this earth and be a part of that. Um, be, be a part of the redeeming work that he does through Jesus. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's really important that God never intended the church to be some leaders doing all the work or some a few people making the big commitments and then spectators or consumers. He always uh, wanted his people to be what he called from the very beginning a kingdom of priests. Mm. You know, using this priest language that perhaps traditionally was the idea of one individual set apart and then a flock. But uh, right back in the book of Exodus, so 1500 years probably before Jesus walked the earth, God said to the people of Israel that he wanted those people to be a kingdom of priests. In fact, in Exodus 19, it says, you will be, it says, now if you obey me and fully keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. He has mm. this, this uh, relationship that he wants to have with his people. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And God had that word to the Israelites thousands of years ago. And then it was reiterated in 1 Peter 2 when, when Peter said to uh, the people reading his letter that you, now the church, not just Israel, but the church, God's chosen people, God's kingdom of priests, what we call uh, the priesthood of all believers, this phrase that we believe that all believers are priests to represent the world to God and represent God to the world. Absolutely. And Ananias and Sapphira, they were on mission. They were like, they knew that God was, was at work and they wanted to be a part of it. But along the way, they got their focus on their own needs and off of the mission. They, um, and, and I want us to ask ourselves, how are we, are we, are we in danger at all of doing the same? Are we in danger at all of, of instead of being focused on how we can be available and used by God, we are instead focused on how our own needs are going to be met and trying to figure it out that way, figure that out ourselves versus truly trusting God with those things. Are we looking at church for what we can get from it 
or are we looking at church as a, a, an opportunity for us to be used, to, for us to be able to give to others? Um, are we, what is our motivation for serving? Are we serving or are we generous with others? Or we get, do we love others because we are looking for something for ourselves? Is there a self-seeking motivation in it? Or are we transparent in our hearts? Can we, can we truly say that we are wanting to do this for the benefit of others or is our motivation for doing it kind of more about what other people are going to see, what other people are going to think of us. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why this is important is that that heart adjustment matters. It, we, that, that, that slight little adjustment, if we aren't careful to kind of ask God to search our hearts and to really make sure that our motivations are pure, that we can easily turn into a church that becomes motivated for what we can get out of church versus for what we are, for the mission that God has for the church. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, the reason for, for sharing this is not because we want to say, oh, Anthem, you've gone south or you've, not at you've made a, <laughs> a gross error here and, and you've you know, become what we never wanted to be. But we feel like it could be a prophetic, a, a prophetic call um, to, the, to the, the, the thought that this, this could be a potential future if we don't remember, remember what uh, you know, God has called us to do in the first place, to be, to be a light, to be his, uh, uh, his ambassadors to the world. One of the things that I love about the way that we launched was uh, we had to learn some adaptability. Definitely. And we had to learn some <laughs> flexibility. Um, in, uh, in that first year of our time together, I think we were in six different venues. And every time we got a, a, you know, an unwanted venue change, it was like this, oh, this blow to our confidence. It was like a, a fear that everybody hates us, that, you know, that this thing's never going to get off the ground. But we were always committed to, you know, if we get knocked down, we'd get right back up again really quickly, didn't we? And I was just blown away. Our team, the people who have been a part of, 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 of launching, you. yes, the people who've been a part of, of, of Anthem and have been serving and giving and involved in this, in this community, there was like never any sense of any kind of attitude or like entitlement. It was like everyone was just willing to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it takes because there was such a crystal clear vision and focus on what our mission was. That we were not here for ourselves, but we were here for those who are not yet with us. And so that focus on the one, the one that, that God is, is seeking and seeking after, um, we there was such a clear vision on that so that no matter what obstacles or challenges came our way, whether we had to, you know, kind of throw away the plan right before we were about to execute it and had to figure out how to adapt, it made that I think that exercise of adaptability actually kept us really clearly on mission mm -hmm. during yeah. that time. Yeah. And as we've sort of gone into our second year and of course COVID-19 has rocked the world, uh, having to pivot during that time. I mean, that was an area where the whole world had to pivot, but for us as a church as well, realizing that we had to connect in new ways. Of course, you know, we all thought Zoom was fun at the beginning. Now we're like <laughs> zoomed out and exhausted, but we're recognizing in this season that the church has shifted. And so, of course, some of you part of Anthem Online this morning, some people meeting together in person and recognizing that these these two platforms are now part of who we are. Um, and so we've had to come up with creative ways to, um, to inspire one another, to keep one another strong. And I just want to 
just to, to honor those of you who've, who've kept this sense of all in during this time. You've been streaming, you've been connecting online, you've been staying, staying positive, and that's gonna be our theme for the next period of time, just to stay positive through this time and just to stay on track with what God's called us to be and not just get reach that point of exhaustion where we just end up wanting to look inward. You know? Yeah, and so now as we're heading into our, three. our third year as a church, I just want to encourage and challenge our church to remember why we're here, that we are, that we are here because God has already initiated a work in this area. God has led us here. He's been here guiding us every step of the way, and He is not... He is not doing this on his own. He invites us to be a part of that mission. And we have an opportunity to respond and to be involved in his mission on earth, which is the really, I mean, talk about what is the, what is the life that he has for us. That is the ultimate life that he has for us. It's a life where we get to be on the adventure of seeing God at work mm -hmm. in the world. And, and, um, and I want to encourage us as a community for us to keep our eyes on Him and keep our hearts in a posture where we are available to be used by Him. Because in this season, there could be a very legitimate tendency to kind of look inward or kind of you know, kind of take care of ourselves, even, you know, especially with, with COVID now, I mean, there could be a tendency as, as a church or as, in, as individuals to sort of, you know, do what's best for me and not, and, 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 and kind of pull, pull inward to looking at what, how are my needs going to be met? What's in it for me? What, I'm only going to do this if, it, if what I get from it. And there, that, that could be a tendency and, and even a, in some ways legitimate, some out of concern or care, care for ourselves or for others. Um, but I want to encourage us and challenge us as a church to be thinking about how are we in a posture to really hear and receive from God in this time because I believe he is still at work. I believe that yeah. he is still speaking. I believe that he is still moving. And if we're in a posture for listening, we are gonna hear. If we're in a posture for seeing, for we're gonna, or looking, we're gonna see. And, um, and as a young church, it's important that we learn from this lesson of Ananias and Sapphira that the condition and the posture of our heart truly does matter. Because Anthem, we believe that God has a mission for our church. We believe that he has a plan to reach this community and show his love mm -hmm. in a place where a lot of people have really sort of, they don't even know that God is there for them. They don't even know that he is real, that he is powerful, that he is good. And he is going to use our lives to show that in this world. And so we, I just want to encourage us to, have, to do everything we can to be in a posture that we are available, that when God puts an opportunity in our, in our lives, that we are ready to respond, that we have an opportunity because I believe every single person who God has brought into this community is not here by accident. Each one of you, even those of you who are, who are watching online this morning, every single one of you, you are not... You're not here by accident. Wherever he has, he has a sphere of influence. He has, he has people that he's brought into your life. And he wants to use your life to show his love in this world. We have an opportunity to do that. Or we can choose to ignore that opportunity and miss out on being in, on the mission of God. So I want to encourage us, church, 
I'm so excited that we're going into this third year, and I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that we are only just scratching the surface of what God is going to do in and through this community. And I want to encourage us to be available, to be ready to hear, ready to listen, and ready to respond when God speaks.